0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, everybody, we want to wish you a blessed new year. And today I want to talk about the year of the Lord's favor. We're going to speak about what Jesus said in the inauguration of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. And we need the year of God's favor. We need 2021 to be a year when we walk in his favor as never before. 2020 has been perhaps one of the worst, if not the worst, year that we've had since the Great Depression of the 1920s. And we definitely need to have our mind on what God says about us and what God says about our life and not what the social media people say and not what the news media says. Uh, All this bad news just infiltrating our heart, infiltrating our mind. We have to get to a place where we're believing the Word of God, what the Word says about us, what the Word says about our family, our finances, what the Word of God says about our life and our destiny. And so what we want to do is read from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4. And this is after Jesus was baptized. He went into the wilderness. He resisted Satan. And when he came out of the wilderness, we pick up the story. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report went about throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And he read from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Father, we pray that you would help us understand this word unpack it in our minds and our hearts and our souls, that we would be infused with your goodness and your faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we see this beginning of Jesus' ministry, and we find out that uh, he had been ministering in Capernaum, then he came to Nazareth, his hometown, and inspe- instead of getting a hero's welcome, after he pronounced that this scripture was fulfilled in their hearing, uh, they were pretty... Uh, perplexed because they saw Jesus growing up with them and their children they knew Joseph they knew Mary they knew his brothers and what Jesus was saying is I am indeed the Messiah that was to come the Savior of the world God the Son that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah and he was saying this has been fulfilled meaning in me because here I am uh, and so he perceived that they were starting to feel offended and starting to think, wait a minute, we know this as a, this person as a young man. How is he proclaiming to be the Messiah? And, of course, we still have these problems today where people judge us according to the flesh. They don't give us a chance. They judge us according to our past, our past mistakes, our past sins, our past life, and then we come to Christ, we get saved, and people make fun of us, and they're still looking at us according to the flesh, but what we have to understand is Jesus went through the same thing, and that's part of what it means to be a Christ follower. We have to continually remind ourselves of what God thinks about us. We have to be God-inside-minded more than worldly-minded, more than going by the opinions of others, and even going by our own voice. Sometimes it's our own voice that betrays us in the, uh, the most and puts us ourselves down and makes us feel uh, depressed and discouraged, and so when they were saying this about Jesus, you know, we know his his earthly father, uh, we know his brothers, we know him growing up, and they were uh, offended at him because he was announcing who he was. He just sensed and discerned that, and basically he answered them by Scripture. He reminded them that Elijah the prophet was not sent to a Jew during the three-and-a-half-year famine. We see that in 1 Kings 17. But he was sent to a lady from Zarephath that, that was outside of Israel, and he took care of her needs. And then we see that he also reminded them of the fact that even though there were many lepers in the days of Elijah's successor, Elisha, Elisha did not go to heal any one of them but a Syrian and non-Jew. So in these two instances, God's favor was put upon non-Jews, even in the midst of a crisis, because he was going after people who were open to him. He was going after people who had faith. It didn't matter if they were born in the family. It didn't matter if they were biological Jews or ethnic Jews or if they were religious Jews. God, even to this day, is looking for people who believe him, who are going after him. doesn't matter if your mother's a Christian or your father's a Christian, your grandfather's a Christian. God has no grandchildren. We need to have a new and true faith every single day because his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, oh God. And so he reminded them that the favor of God was released to only two people during the day's of Elijah and Elisha, when Israel was in a great famine and a great crisis, or even though it was in the midst of a time when there was a lot of leprosy in Israel. And because he reminded them that God did not only favor biological Jews, they were furious and they tried to throw him off the brow of the temple. Now let's go to the source of this passage, Isaiah 61, because it has some more information that I want to get to today. Uh, And so let's go back. Jesus announced that this day, Uh, The scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And boy, we need to understand that there's nothing more Jesus can do or has to do. He's already provided all needs. He's already defeated the devil. He's already defeated sin, Satan, and every seduction of the flesh. There is nothing more he has to do on the cross of Calvary. He defeated death, rose from the dead. He has the keys of hell, and, and he has the keys of death. And there's nothing we need to fear. He always tells us continually in Scripture, fear not, fear not, I am with you. So going back to the source, Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now that obviously was a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And he was saying that the earmark of the Messiah, be the Holy Ghost himself, would come upon this servant of the Lord. We see the same thing in Isaiah 42. When it says, Behold my servant in whom my soul is well pleased with, I will put my spirit upon him. And he's going to bring justice to the nations. And so Adonai Jehovah is the word, the Lord God. The spirit of Adonai Jehovah is upon the Son of God because he has anointed me, meaning the spirit is empowering me, even as he told us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that when the spirit comes upon even Christ followers, came after the Messiah, uh, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come so that they could be his witnesses. So basically, Jesus started it off by modeling what it means to be that anointed servant as he brought in that new covenant. So he said, the Lord has anointed me for what? To bring good news to the poor. Uh, Good news, he didn't anoint you to gossip. He didn't anoint you to slander. He didn't anoint you to lie about other people. He didn't anoint you to be cynical. He didn't anoint you to stay all day on Facebook and get bad news and follow fake news and spread false rumors and chase after QAnon or conspiracy theories. He has anointed us to bring good news, even as we see throughout the book of Acts, But he also says, I've been bringing, I'm called to bring the good news to the poor. Now, the poor in Jesus' day were not like the poor today. Uh, In America, even the poorest of the poor oftentimes live better than the rich people in Europe and other places. Uh, I've done a lot of traveling, and I've seen some countries in Latin America and Africa where 80% of the country had no running water or electricity. So when you talk about poor, we don't even know what poor is. Even the poorest people in our country normally have a television, perhaps an air conditioner, perhaps heat, perhaps a ceiling over their heads, uh, and perhaps a cell phone. Uh, even some of the homeless people live better than what I've seen in other countries. So he says that this is good news to the poor, meaning it doesn't matter if you are the most down-and-out person in society, God could still reach you. It doesn't matter how poor, doesn't matter how impoverished, it doesn't matter how oppressed, it doesn't matter how hard it is for you to survive, to make ends meet. God says, even Jesus said in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, meaning the kingdom of God is so powerful and so mighty and so strong that he could lift up even the poorest of the poor. So no matter what you're going through right now in your own life, in your own situation, the Lord's got you. The Lord will lift you up. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord will provide all your needs as you put first God's kingdom and put his righteousness first. Somehow, some way, he will provide. And so that's what he means. He's bringing good news to the poor. Because if the poor can be blessed in God's kingdom, then everybody else easily can be blessed. And then he says... He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Who hasn't had a broken heart in their lifetime? Who hasn't experienced betrayal? Who hasn't experienced relationship failure? Many people have also been abandoned by their parents or by their father or by a partner or even a spouse through divorce. And so there are many, many brokenhearted people during these days, and it is manifest even more during holidays like Christmas and New Year's, uh, we try to get over these pains that we have. And so there's a great message for that. And so He's come to bind up the brokenhearted. God declares himself as the one who not only created the stars in the sky, as we see in Psalm 147, but he's the one who binds up the hearts of His servants. He heals their wounds. And so this is the God that we serve. We don't serve some aloof God like Allah. We don't serve some uh, distant God like the Gnostics or like the agnostics who don't know for sure if God is true. Uh, We don't serve some intellectual God like what we see in Watchtower. We don't serve in a God that is almost uh, a multitude of gods like we see in Mormonism where Jesus is a created God and we're all becoming gods. We serve a God who is stable, who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never evolves because he doesn't have to become gooder. He doesn't have to become better. He doesn't have to become more powerful. He doesn't have to become more loving. We serve a God who has the greatest love, the greatest power, the greatest genius, the greatest compassion, the most mercy of any person who's ever lived. Thank God it is encapsulated in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the image of the invisible God. And that's why he said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I've come to proclaim liberty. The word proclaim means authoritative speech, a pronouncement, a declaration When we preach the gospel with power, with authority, people who are bound, have faith to get healed, to get set free. I've seen people who were all their life on drugs or alcohol and we pray for them and all of a sudden the power of God would come upon them and they would be totally released. All of us have had bondages in our mind and our heart and when we come to Christ, God has given us the ability to walk out of this bondage. Oh, wow, this is incredible what the gospel is. And so he comes to bring liberty to the captives, and that comes from the proclamation of the gospel. It says the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, Romans 1.16. There's something about the preaching, the anointing, the unction that comes from heaven to earth through preaching, that manifest God's will, manifest God's light, manifest God's hope, manifest God's freedom. Jesus said, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so truly, if you're hearing this today, you can be the recipient of freedom. Perhaps for the first time in your life, we have thousands of people we know who've been set free from every kind of bondage, whether it's sexual bondage, whether it is mental bondage, whether it's depression, anxiety, fear, phobias, schizophrenia. We've seen people healed of all of these maladies, and God is here to do the same today in your life. If you just give him a chance, this could be the greatest year of your life if you receive Jesus Christ. So he came to proclaim that year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, You know, America has more incarcerated men than any other nation in the world. Multiple millions of men are incarcerated, especially men from at-risk communities. But, you know, every person who doesn't know Christ is already in prison. They're in prison by the thoughts of their mind, by their worldview, by their perspective, by the limitations they put on their human capacity because they're not believing God. They don't have a relationship with God. And so Jesus said, if you're born again, you will see the kingdom, meaning your eyes will open. The prison doors will swing. And then you could walk out, and you could have the glorious liberty of the freedom of the children of God. You could experience that liberty. Jesus said, he who the Son is set free is free indeed. And so even if you're not in a physical prison, you may be in a mental prison. An emotional prison and Jesus is here for you today and then he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God so in one sentence Jesus proclaims both of his comings the first is the first advent the first bit uh, physical appearance of Jesus He said, the year of the Lord's favor, he came to bring good news. He didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. He came not to condemn, but to bring us out of condemnation. He says in John 5 that whoever believes in him, it says that the uh, person will pass from death unto life and from judgment unto salvation. Isn't that amazing? He who hears his word will not come into condemnation. So the first coming was so that we can be a partaker of the Lord's favor. We could experience his love, his mercy, his salvation, his forgiveness. But he also said he's here to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Now Jesus did not read this portion because his first coming was not to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. So he wanted to focus on that. But part of this prophetic word about the Messiah is that there's also a day of vengeance. We see that spoken of in uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, when Jesus comes back in vengeance and flaming fire with his holy angels uh, to Bring vengeance and retribution to those who obey not God or not the gospel of God. They don't obey the gospel. And one day, the second coming, he's not coming to save but to judge the world in righteousness. So, beloved, this side of heaven you can be saved. Don't wait because it's been appointed for men to die once. You want to experience the year of God's favor. You don't want to be on the other side of God's retribution and then he says he wants to comfort all who mourn. Those are people who mourn over their sins. People have beaten themselves up over their sins. And the fact that uh, they don't know God, they don't know the truth. Uh, let's go to verse 3. To grant those who mourn in Zion. Zion is a, a replication uh, for us. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was the biological Jews and the remnant. In the New Testament, the double law of reference it has to do with the church, which is made up of Jew and Gentile, and it says to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress or crown instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Boy, I want that for you. I want that for me. Uh, He didn't come so you could mourn, He came so you could celebrate, He came so you could have joy, you could have righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. Uh, When He says He's come to give us a beautiful headdress or crown instead of ashes, well, the Bible tells us from dust we came and from dust to dust we will return in Genesis 3. Because of sin, death came into the world and instead of having an eternal glorified physical body, our body will one day go into the grave. So ashes represents mortal decay, death, which comes from sin. And so what Jesus is saying is the good news, the gospel of Christ, is one that takes away that mortality, takes away death, takes away that aspect of of not having an eternal habitation with God. And he replaces it with a crown. Why a crown? Because when you are born again, you become part of God's family, God's royal family, God's royal priesthood. Once you find Christ and walk with him, he takes away those ashes. Yeah, you may die, of course, physically, but one day your physical body will be resurrected. But your spirit will go with God as soon as your body dies. So you're not going to experience death because Jesus Christ destroyed death and brought immortality to light through the gospel. It tells us that in 2 Timothy 1. And so he wants to give us a beautiful headdress instead of ashes because he's destroyed death. He wants to give us an oil of gladness that's from the Holy Spirit instead of mourning. Once we come to Christ, we don't have to keep repenting all the time, mourning over our sin, but he wants us to walk in the joy of the Lord. Of course, we repent and mourn uh, when we sin, but we don't have to walk and live in that manner all the time once we know who we are in Christ and we begin to walk with him. Then it says the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. A faint spirit has to do with people who are walking in heaviness or depression or discouragement. And I declare a decree over those who are listening to this message today. A spirit of discouragement be lifted off you. A spirit of heaviness be broken off you. I command and I believe God with you right now that the spirit of the joy of the Lord will come upon you. You could even lift up your hands wherever you are right now and receive the spirit, receive joy, receive gladness. He wants to make you glad. He wants to make you uh, walk in his presence. He wants to make you experience the joy of the Lord. It tells us in Nehemiah 9:10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so walking around depressed and discouraged is not going to glorify God, not going to help you, and not going to help your family. And so God has called you to walk in joy. And it can only be done through the power of the Holy Ghost, which is why we're releasing the Spirit of God over you for the year 2021. In spite of how the country goes, the kingdom of God will outlast the United States and every other country. So the kingdom of God doesn't depend on this nation. The kingdom of God depends on the king of kings and the Lord of lords who reigns forever in heaven. And so he gives us the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And then it says that they may be called oaks of righteousness. An oak and an oak tree is probably considered at least if not the hardest of all wood. Uh, in the conversation for the hardest and strongest of all trees perhaps it is the strongest and it says that he's making these people who are faint in spirit who are depressed who are mortal who are death dooms who are mourning over sin he's making them oaks that will last forever he's planting us in our communities in our churches We were once unstable and unfit for service, but God has now made us stable and fit not only to serve, but to become pillars in the house of God and pillars in our community. We've seen so many people come out of very difficult backgrounds of brokenness and drugs and depression and fear and and even horrible mental sicknesses. We've seen them get saved and become the pillars in their community, become the light of the world to their block and, and show the glory of God to their family and bringing numerous people into salvation. Oh, it could happen with you. And not only for them personally, as I said, they've affected their community because it tells us in verse 4 that these people who become oaks, these people who become the planting of the Lord, these people who have received the good news, it says in verse 4, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They, the poor, they, the broken, they, those who were once bound, oppressed, and imprisoned, they will build up the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So we not only get saved for ourselves, but we wind up becoming those people who become the light of the world for our community the real, true Christ follower in the remnant church becomes a blessing to their community, a blessing to society. They participate with God in the renewal of all things until Jesus comes a second time bodily to restore all things. And so we see that these people that are called by God through the gospel are now the ones who help build the ancient ruins, former desolations, and break generational curses and restore many generations. That was fulfilled for the Jewish people, as that was also a prophecy about how God wanted to restore Israel back to their homeland, which took place during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. But because it's connected to the prophecy of Messiah, we know that what happened in the rebuilding of Jerusalem during the days of Nehemiah was a type and shadow of God rebuilding the church, the house of David, becoming a blessing to rebuild the cities, communities, and nations of the world, participating with God in bringing the blessings of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's why Jesus told us to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we wrap this up, there is hope for you today. You don't have to worry about your life. You don't have to worry about if you're going to eat and drink tomorrow. God has got you. God has got you in your relationships and your deepest brokenness and pain. Let Jesus heal you. Even if you're covered in ashes, whether it's because of sin or because of grief, God says, I'm going to take the ashes off you and I'm going to put a crown, a golden crown upon your head. It only comes through Jesus. It's not going to come through a political leader. It's not going to come through your spouse, through your best friend. It's not going to come from making a lot of money. It's only going to come through Jesus, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to understand that Jesus came for you. He didn't come just for the up and in, but for the down and out. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came for the lost. And if you don't know Jesus, Jesus died on that cross for your sins. He took your place. And three days later, he rose from the dead after he died. And he's alive right now. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ in your life, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I pray that you, Jesus, would come into my life because you died on the cross for me. I thank you that you rose from the dead. Because you're alive, you could come in my heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you made a decision for God to follow Jesus Christ. And now we want to keep in touch with you, so please communicate with us with the email that is showing on your screen. We want to walk with you. We want to help you in your new life. I'm thankful that we're starting a new year. I'm thankful that we're walking the year of God's favor no matter what this year may bring from the world. Amen. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.